Good evening. Welcome to the Fort, La Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics, Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Ryan. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or that will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? Awesome. So let's start the meditation. Uh, 
Uh, so we're going to go ahead and do the fog light prayer. If you don't know it, just follow along. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There's a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Chris to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Spiritual Experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes, or religious experiences, must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God-consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. That's from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, pages 567 and 568. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. Um, you know, so we are doing this uh, via live stream. Um, we are practicing all the social distancing and everything right now. So um, uh, just try and, uh, you know, probably helpful if you just turn your phone off and just try and stay focused on the meeting. Um, tonight we have Doc doing our uh, or his twelfth uh, series for us. Um, you know, it's been amazing up until this point, um, and I'm actually really excited because I found out that we get him for a bonus 13th week, ne- week next week. So um, without further, further ado, let's go ahead and bring up Doc and hear what he has to say.
Hey, Doc. And the roar of the crowd is deafening. It's like playing Bayonne, New Jersey in 1978. Not one person laughed nor applauded. Yay! <laughs> and here I am now. Big AA guru. Yeah, right. I thank God they wrote it down, because if it were up to me, I wouldn't know what we were talking about. Um, step 12. Yay, finally. Um, there is so much in step 12 that we're not going to be able to touch on very much of it, just a little bit. I, um, I enjoyed looking up some uh, videoed speakers from the 80s and the 90s and, and doing my little private meetings. They're not really meetings, they're just, I guess, step studies. I got a warped bottle here. Okay, cool. Step studies. And uh, this one cat, he started out, it looked really interesting. And then he started going into metaphors that weren't in the book. And his metaphors, first of all, were um, hard to follow. And secondly, didn't really make any sense once I did grasp what he was trying to say. And third, he was using the wrong words when he was talking about stuff. So he was trying to use some scientific uh, jargon and scientific illustrations on something that was spiritual. And then he lost me and and apparently, uh, not everybody, but a few people. Excuse me. So because everything in my world is about me, not really, but sort of, um, I thought, oh my God, are my... Are my non-out-of-the-book AA metaphors so confusing that people are going, there he goes, over-explaining crap again so that nobody can follow anything. And, uh, but that's, I think that's a, a normal alcoholic-slash-human fear is, is, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing poorly? I'm not getting much feedback, so all I can do is just, hold my nose, and, and jump in and try to swim. Um, I was out of town uh, before the zombie apocalypse, and uh, right, there was, nobody was bitten yet. Only, only the Chinese were biting each other on the train to Bushan, right, which is a great zombie. I've been watching zombie movies all week. It's like the only, you know, it, it's my tenth tradition, is just to watch zombie movies and have no opinion on outside issues. If there's ever been an outside issue, this is one. It's great. I hope at the end of civilization as we know it, that we're still having AA meetings, watching the whole world come to an end. I hope that's how it ends, with a bunch of people going, you know, amen. <laughs> That'll be a good ending for the world. But uh, nonetheless, I started thinking about about I, when I, was, I was saying when I was out of town, I asked this woman to um, fill in for me on a big book study. And when I got back, I said, so, so what did you cover? And she told me. And then she said, and you can go back over and do that chapter again because I was terrible at it. I said, what? I, I got emails and, and texts that you were great. She says, no, all I did was just tell stories about myself. That's all I did. And the funny thing is, is the chapter was the family afterwards. And there's a part in the family afterwards that says, 
we think it's best not to tell other people's stories. Just stick to your own stories. And I said, well, that's what you did. So when I showed up, I, I told the group, I said, uh, she said that she thought she did horribly. And the whole group moaned and said, no, 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 she was awesome. She was awesome. So if I say stuff that uh, you don't understand, if I use a metaphor that doesn't make any sense, the reason is uh, either it doesn't make any sense or just God didn't want you to understand it, one of the two. But if it's, if it's written in the book, then it doesn't have to be understood by me, right? Uh, it, it has nothing to do with something I say. And that's why I try to give you at least enough pages in the book to go in and look and go, hey, I don't, I don't see uh, Plato's cave allegory in step one at all, you know? And then that's up to you. That's great, right? Um, however, I will do another shout out for Varieties of Religious Experience by William James. Uh, this is obviously a really old copy, and I've had it a long time because the fellow who gave it to me, it's a 97, so it's not that old. Um, the fellow who gave it to me, Ephraim, he had it forever. But I just noticed today that the introduction is by Reinhold Neighbor. And Reinhold Neighbor is the Christian guy who wrote the Serenity Prayer. So put that in your little uh, file of Snapple cap facts right there. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try, and I like it when I go to meetings where young people emphasize that the instead of as a result, as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, before I get into the meat and potatoes, as they say, if you look in the big book, in working with others, um, it will actually guide you on, without saying this is how to be a sponsor, it gives you guidance on how to be a sponsor. Without saying this is how we share at a meeting, it gives you complete outline on how to speak and share at a meeting, right? And then... Obviously, it tells you how to talk to uh, non-member alcoholics. Uh, and I was just talking to a sponsee of mine that I said, uh, I'm looking forward in a couple months, uh, hopefully that this all passes and the zombies are, are you know, led away and whatever fixes it, fixes it. And, uh, and then I said, let's, let's go do some old-fashioned go-to-the-bar-with-big-book uh, talking to alcoholics. And, and right now, because everybody's locked at home, my, my people are willing to do anything as soon as this is over. Oh, heck yeah. Let's go talk to some... Let's, let's carry a bunch of pamphlets around and talk to alcoholics, see if they're ready to quit drinking in their, in their native uh, habitat. Um, but step 12 tells you how to talk to those people. It's great. Step 12, if you look into it, when it, it says when you get in front of people, right, when you're talking to people, and it's generally aimed at 12-step um, calls, which used to be a couple people and, and a drunk or, or, or drunk addict, um, because they usually came <laughs> well prepared to do anything that would get them high, from oxygen to donkey piss, you know, and you have to kind of be prepared for whatever, their excuse is always, well, alcohol wasn't my number one thing. Well, you know, wasn't 
any of it. Well, I can't say that. A number of people, it wasn't their number one thing, uh, but it was most plentiful, easiest, and it represents the disease I have the best um, because that's what I suffer from is alcoholism. So it tells you that, you know, you, you, you share just enough to get their attention so they can identify with you, et cetera, et cetera. All that's in there. And then you share what happened. And so when people go, I don't know how to speak in front of people, it's all, it's all right there in, in uh, working with others, with the, uh, with the chapter working with others. And, and it'll tell you what not to say and how not to say it. Um, one of the great things is at the very beginning of, of that chapter, it gives you promises, 12-step promises. Uh, this is our 12th suggestion. And, and it's, it's funny that it, it drops the first and the last, because there's three parts to this step, and focuses on the center one. Carry this message to other alcoholics, exclamation point. Then it gives promises. You can help, and this is absolutely you, right? You can help when no one else can. What a sentence, right? That's what we always wanted in life. I wanted to be so special that nobody else in the world was like me. I wanted to cross paths with somebody in the world that years from now, they would talk about this guy they knew in the summer of whatever year it was, right? I wanted to be that character in a novel, right? And then, and then God says, through Bill Wilson and the editors of the time in this big book, says, you, now that you've had this spiritual awakening, this conscious contact with God, now that you know you work for God, now that you know you're... Your real purpose in life is to be best fitted to serve God and those about you. Now you can help when no one else can. That means the day you skip going to that meeting because something else is more important because you've got enough time to not have to go, and you miss meeting the only guy, or the guy rather, that only you can help, and then he's doomed to either days, weeks, years. Oh, God bless you. Excuse me, folks. A word from our sponsor. He's, he's, he's six feet away, and he handed it to me with a broom. I saw you through the corner of my eye, and I thought, I'm not going to break the, the rule of the camera and look over there and go, what the hell's going on? Oh, this is so much better. Thank you, sir. And I propose, there's another outside issue. Can we arrange the letters in LGB? What is it? L L Q. Can we put it Q T so it ends with cutie? L G B cutie. Would that be better? Okay, that's an outside issue. But I was just thinking, it's a little more loving. It's a little more open, right? L G B cutie. That's nice, right? Hey, God bless the L G B cuties. <laughs> They Perrier and Entenmann's, you know, right? Every time I stay with my gay friends, they always warm my towels in the microwave before I get out of the shower. It's so delightful. I just, no, WTF, what's there to hate? I mean, it's beautiful, right? It's lovely. I, I say all that because 
this is going to lead us to one of the fruits of this spiritual awakening is this abundance of affection. You know, the stuff I didn't have. So that's, uh, I'm getting hung up on one, word, uh, one sentence and I didn't want to stay here that long, but you can help when no one else can. You can c- secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. To death ill. Life will take on new meaning. I love this. To watch people recover. Everybody in this room and, and most everybody watching knows this, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, not only their loneliness, but your loneliness, right? I've said it many times, we treat loneliness with isolation, right? Hey, man, what are you doing? I'm home alone. Let's go to a meeting. (laughs) No, I'm too lonely. (laughs) I want to stay home. I'm just going to watch TV or something. Now, you know, even the lonelier scratching the walls to get outside to watch loneliness vanish to see a fellowship grow up about you right a bunch of friends in a group to grow up about you aka around you to have a host of friends this is an experience you must not miss we know you will not want to miss it frequent contact with newcomers and with each other it's a bright spot of our lives. It's, it's so right. It's so right. When we come in here, we are number one, right? I'm number one. That's what Clancy I says. I'm number one right there. I am number one. I need to get sober for me. I need to. I need to. Uh, I need some time to myself. I need to learn to love myself before I can love others. Oh, oh, wrong, young Hamlet, I would say that uh, I spent in this weird world of the alcoholic mind where everything is braided into a false reality, right? Where I believe I'm so totally unloved that I have to love myself. And I believe that I'm unworthy of love, so for some reason I end up you know, uh, destroying every relationship I ever had as an alcoholic, right? I'm not worthy to have a good relationship, so eventually I will become, oh, I heard it very nicely put, there's a difference between being frank and being dick. (laughs) And at one point, you start being frank, and before you know it, you're being dick. And, and, and then they want to get out of this relationship because I'm not lovable. And then it just starts that cycle over again, right? It's the same weird cycle that like, I know that drinking will kill me, but I also feel that if I don't get a drink, I'm going to die. And those two things, and, and the big book talks about it, that like this, this, self-preservation that kicks in that 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 tells me my my id so to speak that tells me i have to survive don't drink and then the other side of it this mirror image this the same thing just on the other side going step on anybody right crush crush women and small children to get what you need whether it's a drink or 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 
any other form of alcoholic high, dry, wet, or <laughs> otherwise, right? Oh, I saw, I watched a video of the tubes in 1978, and they brought out these giant quaaludes, these prop quaaludes, and it was just a little memory trip for me, just a little trip down memory lane of the Roar 714s. Those were before your time, but oh so good, oh so good. In, um, in step 12, we're, we're no longer first, right? I come in here, I'm number one. I have to, I have to get sober for me. I have to get sober for my wife, for my husband, for my girlfriend, for my boyfriend, for my employer, for my kids, for my whatever. That's why I'm getting sober. And it's, but it's for me, right? And I am number one. Everything is about me out there. And, and the sad thing is, is most people are like that. At least most people in our world, in our world, um, I don't know. I haven't lived everywhere in the world. I've, I've been to a, a lot of countries, and I've, I've worked and lived all over the world. And in worlds where materialism is, is high, uh, people put themselves first. And then we think, but I love my family, right? So they're second. And I love my friends, and I have other people in my life, and they're second. I'm first, they're second, and oh yeah, I believe in God of some sort. Right? Even if I just call it a God concept, you know, I still believe it. But it's third. And then when we get here, it's, it, 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 these steps approach us directly, number one, me first, and they talk about that. And then by the time we get to five, the honesty flips it that they move God from the back to the front. So it says we admitted to, to God ourselves, and another human being. Now the order is different. Now it's God is first, where he should be, but I still think I'm second to God, and then I provide and protect everybody behind me and rule everyone behind me. It's great. If, if you're one of the few who haven't watched Tiger King, <laughs> in the like the first episode, one of the guys, that, the 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 documentary crew is filming him and the, the guy they're filming is directing them. Tell you what, I'm going to go to the front door. I'll go around to the other side, open, you come in. He's given, and even, even the, the doc director goes, I like how this guy is a better director than any of us, right? And, and you just see that, oh, I know this guy completely. He's a total, I must be in control of everyone in my life. I'm number one. And everyone else is under my control, right? When people wouldn't follow my control, I lost my mind. I mean, literally, literally. If you back me into a corner and I'm just going, just do it my way, and they won't, I, just, I, 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 I could not grasp that at all before I got sober. So five puts God first, I'm second, and others are third. But by the time we get to 12... It's clear that I am third, right? I'm third. Oh, my beat up old 12 and 12, step 12 right here. I want to make sure I have every word exactly right. So we have God first. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, that's God. 
right? We're going to talk briefly about what a spiritual awakening might be and where you can find out if you've had one. Two becomes others, right? We tried to carry this message to alcoholics. I've had a, what is the message? What is the message? You don't have to live like this. There is a, a treatment, and it's a spiritual treatment, and the end result is a spiritual awakening, and William James call, calls it a life of religion that fits your higher power perfectly. Not, not a religion from out there that is brought in that you have to try to fit yourself into, but one that comes from the same source that God comes from, deep inside where every man, woman, and child has the fundamental idea of God and religion being the worship thereof. So two, right, is others. It's first God, others, and then finally it's me. And to practice these principles in all our affairs. What affairs? All. Most of them? All of them. Even like relationships? Especially relationships. What about business? No. All, all of them. Well, what does that mean? Well, read these two steps, yeah? I mean, read these two books. So it says here quickly, where did I put my magic 3D glasses? Here we go. Well, it looks like 3D. <laughs> it's because it is 3D, you idiot. The joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step. And action is its key word. What does that mean? The joy of living. That's, a, that's this. This is, this is Buddhist. Chop wood and carry water. That's what you have to do every day to survive, right? I, tell, I, I told my daughter when she was a little baby, and I tell uh, protégés the same thing. There are three things you have to do. It represents everything you have to do in the, in the physical world. And that is uh, make your bed, right? brush your teeth, and say your prayers. Because you have to do physical stuff. You've got to chop wood and fetch water. That's make your bed, right? You must take care of yourself in some way, some, some less than humble way, some selfish way. You have to take care of yourself. Because if you're at a 100%, if, if, if this is a bottle so it wouldn't work, but a vessel, an open-top vessel, if, it were, if emptiness were uh, self-centeredness, and if I had nothing in this vessel, it's worthless, right? But if I fill the vessel with anything, if I fill it with gold, it's worth that much gold. If I fill it with, with, with uh, perfume, it's worth that much perfume, right? It's worth whatever it is, or, or you know, special, special olive oil, it's worth that much, because the vessel means nothing. That's you and that's me. But if I bring it all the way to the top, if I'm filled with spiritual worth, then I'm not clipping my fingernails or brushing my teeth or changing my clothes. I'm in prayer all the time. And we have monks like that. And we have holy men like that around the world. But that's not how I can function in these three books. Right? It makes me less usable as a vessel. I can't move around because it's going to slosh right? It can, it, it, let's take a coffee cup. There we go. Full to the brim, it's going to burn somebody, right? But if I leave an area, it becomes a useful vessel, mostly filled with value and a little bit of self in there. Just enough self that I brush my teeth, right? So 
uh, I want to make my bed, which is do all my daily chores, go to work, right? I got to do the stuff. I got to take care of myself, right? Enough that, I, that, I, that I'm not uh, a holy man that no one will talk to, right? I have to function in the world. So enough, brush my teeth, right? Floss. And uh, three, say my prayers. I have to do everything spiritually that I can. It's not just saying prayers. It's saying my prayers, it's meditating, it's helping others, it's sacrificing myself. The joy of living. Here we go. Here's a great thing from the joy of living. See, I'm jumping from book to book, right? Back and forth. Oh, more promises in 10. I didn't mark the... uh, the page. Oh, here, I guess I did mark the page. On page 93 in the big book, it says, um, talks about your prospect, the drunk that, that, that you're looking to help. And he may already belong to a religious denomination. And it talks about his training and education, how it could be superior to yours. And that's not what we're in. We're not in the business of conversion to any sort of, of, of worship of a higher power. We're not even in the business of like trying to teach people what a higher power is. But it does come down to this, and it says, um, he'll, he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours have worked so well. Right? Is it that my God is superior to his? No. Right? Is it that my understanding of God is superior to his? No, not at all. Right? What is it then? And it says right here. He may be an example of the truth. And this is from the book of James, which the 12 steps were taken from. That faith alone is insufficient. Faith without works is dead. Right? Faith, as we define it in, in, this, in the big book in the 12 and 12, is a conscious contact with God. It's a relationship, right? It's not just the belief. Belief is part of faith, but faith is closer to a friendship than it would be to a belief system, right? So that I know that I meet someone, they become my friend. I, that friend, that friendship has weight. It can be measured. It's big, it's small, it's growing, it's waning, Whatever it is, right? It gets to a point that it's so big that even if I walk away from the friendship, if I come back, there's a very good chance that we would pick up exactly where we left off. And, and people who are friends know that. Faith is like that. It's not a friendship, it's more. But it's more akin to a friendship than it is to a belief. So when people go, oh, the faith is where I just don't need proof. Well, that may be part of it. But to be vital... Vital, right? Vita, life. To be life-giving. And we just said, the, the joy of living. To effectively be in the joy of living right today where we are, faith, that relationship with a higher power, must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. That's too much. Okay. Don't do that. Just be sober. That's all you need to do, right? Don't do that. I'm being very sarcastic at this moment. I find that sarcasm is sort of like a sorbet for the mind. <laughs> it does. It cleanses the, the, it cleanses the mind so that when real wit is applied, it's appreciated, right? It's appreciated. Um, 
I was, I was talking to one of my brothers coming up here. And I said, you know, there are a lot of different categories of how people get sober in this fellowship, but I think one that, that fits very well is a three-category system where um, one category is, I just want to get sober and stay sober. That's it. I just want to quit drinking, quit needing to have a drink, and be free of that. that. If I'm free of that, I'm happy and joyous. The rest will fall in. Okay, so there's one. Then there's another category, which is, yeah, I want all that, but I do want what step 12 promises. I want a real spiritual awakening, even though I don't know what it is. And then there, the, the weird thing is we have no way of, of determining how many people are in which category. And, and certainly it seems to me that, well, because all the meetings are different and because all the regions are different. So people are different in different regions, right, of, of North America. Um, that, that category one, I think we all come in there. At least that's the door most of us come in. Is I didn't come in here to get a spiritual awakening. I came in here <laughs> to quit being drunk. To quit needing a case of old Milwaukee, right? To see, I had this many dollar bills. How much alcohol will this buy, right? That won't kill me. Right. Oh my gosh, I got I got a great screenshot of a, a guy on the bus drunk, but he's drinking Listerine. I thought it was a bottle of scotch and it's like a it's like a, a, a little pint of Listerine. Oh jeez. Um but it was it was minty. It was blue. <laughs> so I guess that theoretically it's a cocktail, right? It's not just straight Listerine. It's kind of a Listerine cooler. And oh my god. And we want that, and then as we start progressing in the steps and stuff, we go, oh, I do. I'm in for the 12th the, the step, right? If we're, I'm in for that spiritual awakening, right? That, that will actually be that conscious contact with God that, that, that step 10 and 11 continues to keep going. Uh, and then a lot of people, we don't know how many again, go, hell with that. That's too hard. I just want to stay sober. Forget all this stuff. We were, we, Mike and I were talking about it. Forget all this stuff. This is too much. I'm just going to stay sober. And if that leads me to a spiritual awakening, that's God's will. But right now, and we have sponsorship like that, right? When you call and complain and they go, well, are you sober today? Yeah. All right, good. Then call me when when you feel like drinking. Wow, okay. That's category one. What about this three? The third category, I think, are people that want to be live and exist on a plane higher than just the 12th step, right? To get to a place where the religion, the worship of my higher power, my relationship with this, my humble relationship, and certainly if I have a humble relationship with the God of my understanding, it is for me, it is a privilege for me to pay homage to them. Self-sacrifice, not just to others, but to my God, right? To, to serve my God. That's my purpose in life. To serve God and those around me. Right? About me. And, and therefore I want, in this serving, worship is part of that. And worship brings me great joy. Which is what William James is going to talk about. And so I want that. And that's that third category. And uh, we were also talking about a guy I, I worked with for a, a small time. And he was in... Category one for a couple of years, and he was tired of that. He was ready for category three. 
It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, you might need a spiritual awakening before you start digging into living on a higher plane. Right? So here we are on this higher plane now. What happens here? First of all, let's, let's not be afraid of the word religion. Right? It means to hold sacred. Right? To set aside something that is sacred. It, it, it could be my time. It could be part of my heart. Hopefully it's all of those things and many other things. And a form of worship. Right? So people that say, I'm spiritual but I'm not uh, religious... I think they're misinformed. I think they misunderstand what it means. I think what they're saying is, um, I am spiritual in as much as I want to understand God, a power greater than myself that I can understand that will understand me personally. I want a personal relationship with some sort of higher sentient creator. But I don't want to follow these weird ritualistic quote-unquote, religions of the world. But I'll find my own. And, and, and that's fine. That's exactly perfect. In fact, William James, that's most of what this book is about, is how to find this, this spiritual uh, uh, awakening. I'm still doing good? Yeah, I'm doing good. All right. So much in so little a time. All right, so let's look. What does it mean? It says... Um, Oh, that's Tradition 12. That's a good one, too, but we better stick with steps today. Um, It says, as a definition of a spiritual awakening, all right? If you've had one, raise your hand. Don't, don't. Maybe, maybe (laughs) there are as many definitions of spiritual awakening as there are people who have had them. Maybe there are near 4,000 different types of spiritual awakenings that have been put into a book, into a series of 20 different lectures that only take about an hour each uh, to read aloud. Maybe. All right? I'm just following what it says written down here. As many different definitions of a spiritual awakening as there are people who have had them. Right? Um, What does salt taste like? And don't use the word salty. Right? Can't do it. So your definition of what salt tastes like may be as different as everyone else who's ever tasted salt. Right? My buddy, who's now deceased, used to say, sex. Describe sex. Like, yeah, I don't know. This is, salt is a little more... A little more uh, uh, or, or, <laughs> or applicable to a larger group of people. <laughs> I would say, if I had to do what my buddy suggests and say sex, my definition might be different for every partner I've ever had. So at least salt is a standard, right? But then it says, but certainly each genuine one, wait a minute, a genuine one? That indicates that there are ones that are not genuine. There are false spiritual awakenings. Um, I'll give you a good example. Oh, man, God opened my eyes. She was right there. In those, in those short jean shorts and those 
ripped fishnet stockings that I knew that was God speaking to me right there. It was like, must be God's will because she had never been to this meeting. I had never been to this meeting. We both crossed this meeting. We both knew each other. It's like we knew each other for years, right? We just spoke a few minutes and it's like, oh man, it's like our souls had been, yeah, that's probably not a genuine spiritual awakening. But certainly each genuine one has something in common with all the others. Okay, what's the common thread? And these things which they have in common are, isn't that interesting? Every time I ask a question, the 12 and 12 or the big book answers it specifically. Okay, what are, what are the things in common? Well, they are, not too hard to understand, they are these. When a man or woman has a spiritual awakening... The most important meaning of it is that he or she has now become able to do, feel, and believe that which he could not do before on his unaided strength and resources alone. I'm now able to do this only through being empowered by this higher power, by God, as we understand him, right? Understand him, them, her, whatever for you. But we just say, that's why it says, as we understand him, because I say God, you know what I mean. I can do, my body will do things that it could not do before. One, it, it, it can resist being drunk. It can, it can break the allergy because I'm not taking in anymore, right? I'm able to feel things. I'm able to feel empathy. I'm able to feel concern for others. First, before myself, and I'm able to believe that there is something greater than me that guides me. Uh, he's been granted a gift, which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. All of this definition are, are things you should ask yourself, as this applies to me. He's been set on a path, which tells him he's really going somewhere, that his life is not a dead end, not something to be endured or mastered. Yeah, just bite your lip, grit your teeth, swallow hard. You know, if your sponsor tells you that, that's good advice. That's <laughs> probably not. Probably it's because you haven't lived the steps. You aren't in a 12-step. That's why you're gritting your teeth and trying to endure whatever life is, is having. There's no joy for life. When I said this is, this is Buddhist, the other thing that is Buddhist along this line is joyful effort. That's the joy of living. That's, that's doing those three things, making your bed, brushing your teeth, and saying your prayers all bring you joy, Right? I used to hate to mow the lawn. I live in a condo now on the beach, so you can't mow the beach. And it's not mine to mow anyway. But I used to hate to mow the lawn. But when I was done, I loved it, right? I felt great. I had I mowed the whole damn thing and it was done. I was sweaty. I hosed off, jumped in the pool, spent a couple hours just admiring my work, right? Joyful effort. Been set on a path where life is not to be endured or mastered, right? That's the older we get, the easier it is that concept comes along. Because I'm not looking these days at my future going, I need to beat life into submission so that I win, right? As I get older, it's easier to go, I'm just going to see if I can ride the wave I'm on all the way to the beach. <laughs> 
In a very real sense, he's been transformed. He or she has been transformed. A real sense. Because he's laid hold of a source of strength. Remember, I'm powerless. But I've now laid hold of a sense of strength. Which in one way or another, he had hitherto denied himself. Not been denied. How beautiful is that, man? I have always had the ability to, to I, I, you've always had the power, right? I know everybody's thinking, Wizard of Oz, say it, say it. No, I won't say it, I won't say it. I met a girl at Walmart last night. This woman was probably in her early 20s. She didn't know who Dorothy Gale was. She didn't know what the Wizard of Oz was. She goes, is it before my time? I said, baby, it's before everybody's time, you know? Jeez. Anyway, right? You, 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 this source of strength has always been available to me. It's been raining down as grace forever. I've been blocking it by, like I say, holding a bouquet of black umbrellas. I've been letting them go, going, this is a problem, this is a problem. I've been going to counseling, letting them go, this is a problem. I've been going to workshops and letting them go and letting them go. And I still hold on to one, that's enough to block all of it. And therefore, I never get any of the grace. I never get any of the joy, the divine joy. I never get any of the divine peace. I never get any of the divine love. I never feel that connection with that power, that source of power. I've denied myself all this time up until step 12. Here's some of the things that are in that that grace. He finds himself in a possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, knowing where you are in God's tapestry, and love, agape, or agape if you're in West Virginia. And love, oh, come on. Do we have meetings in West Virginia? Okay, if you're in West Virginia right now, and I don't care if this is 20 years in the future, it's weird, because see, like, I'm here, but I'm talking to the future. Because years from now, when they look at this, it'll be 20 years in the future, I'm in the past. Figure that one out. <laughs> Morty. <laughs> you, eat, you, you use the, 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 the contact method of 20 years in the future to contact me and tell me I'm an asshole for making a joke about West Virginia. Okay. I was only making a joke because they don't drink in West Virginia. <laughs> Sorry. The best moonshine I ever taste. Honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, and love, of which he had thought himself quite incapable. Well, you, I, I was incapable. That's why when, if I'm working with a protege and he goes, I really need to work on my tolerance. Go, Dude, you're not going to work on tolerance. You're incapable of being tolerant. You know, you're, you're, you're a control freak. You're a boss. You're the boss of the universe. What you need to do is work on your 12th step. Get to that 12th step. You need to work on letting go of everything so that God can reign honesty and tolerance and unselfishness and peace and love. What he has received is a free gift. That's the definition of grace. You can't earn it. You can't make it happen by writing lists. By sitting face to face, you can't do four step, fifth step, eight step, ninth step. You can't do that. You can't make it happen by being on your knees in 10, 11. You can't make it happen. You have to not do anything. Be still and know that I am God. And if you're still, that's why, that's why old timers tell newcomers, sit still. Be quiet. Shut up. 
You are never going to hear God going, when I was in Gangon and I one time I did so much drug, I would sit down. Sorry. It's a free gift. And yet usually, at least in some small part, he has made himself ready to receive it. How is that? By letting go, by humbly letting it all go. So if you cheat, message from God received. If you cheat and go to lecture 20 in varieties of religious experience, you'll find the magic chapter called Conclusions, (laughs) which for those of us who were raised on magic tricks, we always look at the method first. And then we go back and read the whole thing. So I cheated the first time I saw this. I went to chapter... First of all, you read the table of contents to see where all the secrets are, and then you jump to those. And so I went to conclusions first, and it says, summing up in the broadest possible way the characteristics of the religious life. And and remember, there are 19 lectures describing that what you hear me say, if you're going... Ooh, religious life. If that's what you're thinking, you need to read the other 19 lectures because we're talking about living on a higher level with your own understanding of your own creator and your own method of worshiping. And you may fall into a fellowship where they have the same feelings, and that's great. But we're not talking about dogma or theology. We're talking about a way to set God aside and to to self-sacrifice and show God that, uh, that, that I'm appreciative of that love, of that joy, of that faith, of that belief, of that tolerance, of that unselfishness. It says this, um, the way we've found them, or William James found them, it includes these three very, very important following beliefs. One, that the visible world where you think you are is actually part of a more spiritual universe. And the visible world draws its chief significance from that spiritual universe, not the other way around. The spiritual universe is not secondary to the real world. Even though, you know, there are a lot of... It's so funny, years ago, my dad was one of those guys that would go, I don't get that. A chair is a chair, a table is a table. That's real. The rest of this stuff, I don't know. But now, my dad's very spiritually based, and he would agree with this too. The union or harmonious relation with that higher universe is our true end. That's, not only is it, if, if, Well, there are just so many ways to define end, and I'm not going to get into the 19 chapters, but I'm saying going to the third category is really what we're living for. It's really God's, according to William James in these other two books, and the way I'm reading these is it is God has given us an opportunity that we either die, let's go this way. Oh, no, no, only one, two, and three, we'll go way over here. Die an alcoholic death or live by spiritual rules. Right? And these spiritual rules become our religion, a, our religious life, our joyful life, our, our, our vital existence, and that we exist way up here. And that God saved us from that 
Not only to help others, but to live this higher level. So I, I, I would contend that category one and category two are useless unless we are actually using them to fulfill what God has put on every single member of AA, and that is to get to that category three. Number three, that prayer or inner communication with the Spirit. Nice, right? Prayer or inner, inner communication with the Spirit thereof, the Spirit of prayer, be that spirit God or law, and there's a whole lot, I've spoken a lot about that on step six, is a process, this prayer is a process wherein work is really done. Actual, that is action. Prayer is action. Prayer is works. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't have to be bodily, right? That, that prayer is a process wherein work is really done and spiritual energy flows in and produces effects. Psychological effects, material effects, and it happens within the phenomenal world. Now keep in mind, this is the father of modern psychology. This is no tree-hugging latest guru This is the cat that we've built what we know about psychology on. Last two things, and then I'll conclude. Religion, as defined in in this book, includes also the following psychological characteristics. Four, a new zest. (laughs) And I've said this before. To young people who don't know what zest means, it it actually means... Uh, the basis. If you get uh, lemon zest, think back to your bartending days, right? That's just getting the flavor of the lemon without much peel, right? So it means the the basis of it without everything, but it's not a soap. Um, A new zest which adds itself like a gift to life. It's exactly what, what we were looking for in drugs and alcohol, is that zest. You know, let's go out. Well, let me have a drink, and then I'm ready to go, right? I got that zest. I got that love for life now. Let me just burn a little. Let me snort a little. Let me drop a little. Let me shoot a little. Let me drink a little. I got the zest. But this is saying religion provides a new zest. We were talking about LSD last week. And again, let me stress, I I was saying that LSD is the wrong direction to go, not the right direction, because the right direction is here. Through this religious experience, you get a new zest which adds itself like a gift to life and takes the form of either lyrical enchantment or of appeal to earnestness and heroism. What does that mean? Either you look and you see everything is beautiful, man, Everything You see everything like Andy Kaufman. Come on, let's all sing together. It's a beautiful world, right? You can see that or, this, or combinations of this, or you can suddenly have this, this er- appeal to earnestness that this is now I see what is important in life and what is unimportant in life. And I am willing to sacrifice for what is important and heroism. I am willing to give up my position so that others can survive, live, separate them from misery. And last, certainly not least, religion includes an assurance of safety and a temper of peace 
and in relation to others, a preponderance of loving affections. Right? The truth is in the uh, fruit, man. You meet somebody and they talk a good game at a meeting. You're thinking, this guy's awesome. Let's go hang out with him. Let's have some coffee. And then at the coffee, right, he's, 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 he's belittling people, talking about people behind their back. He hates everybody. He hates the waitress. He hates the coffee. He hates, he, when you get in the car with them and drive, they're hating everybody. That's, not, that's someone who has not had this 12-step uh, spiritual awakening. Now, hopefully, next week, we're going to bring all of the 12 steps together and mix them into a little stew and see if we can't apply them to just daily life. And uh, as the book says, we can, uh, where they will be interwoven logically to provide an unshakable foundation for life. Until then, Doc Alcoholic, thank you so very much. Yay! <sighs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, let's thank Doc again. Um, and just to let everybody know, uh, if you're interested, the uh, link for an audio version of Varieties of Religious Experience is on this Facebook page. So uh, that's available to anybody who's interested. Um, let's go ahead and bring up Chris for our secretary's report. <laughs> Hi, my name is Chris, and I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hi, Chris. In keeping with our seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, I will now uh, note that we can donate online via Zelle or Venmo uh, to the group, and you can look at the, the website, which is alcoholicsandgod.org, for more information on how to do that. So thank you. Uh, I have asked Mark to come up here and read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people, well, there's not many people in this group, but why people in this group used to identify and the ones that are still left do identify themselves as recovered rather than recovering and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. Mark. No, it's Ryan. Sorry, we're respecting. <laughs> there, there's, yeah. Um, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we'd be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Ryan. 1940s style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. And uh, recovered alcoholics, we don't have a... Okay. Uh, yeah, let's... The last meeting of the month, is anybody celebrating a year or more of continuous sobriety? 
If so, go ahead and notify us in the chat. Uh, please join us Monday nights, big book study meeting. Yeah. yeah, Monday night, please join us. We're going to have Doc back here for the big book study, Fort Lauderdale, primary purpose, big book study group. Doc H is doing it along with our friend Mike Chase, and that is not his last name, believe it or not, so I'm not breaking anonymity by saying Mike Chase. <laughs> ah, so the book, big book's going to come alive. Fellowship will, there's not going to be fellowship, but the, okay, 715, check it out. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, big book dictionaries for sale. We'll spray them with bleach and send them your way if you contact us online. We meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery theme. See you next week. All right. Um, we have tonight's session and all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. Um, and I'd like to invite everyone to tune in for our, our Monday night uh, big book study. Uh, like Chris said, we have uh, Doc and Mike Chase chairing that meeting, so uh, definitely check it out. Um, and to those who wish to thank tonight's speaker, um, you can leave a comment um, on, on the Facebook page, Carrier Pigeon, uh, whatever works, on a $5 bill. Whatever works. Um, We're going to go ahead and close with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, So let's just take a second. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Awesome. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll get to see us all Monday or next Thursday. Godspeed. Hey, hey, hey. God is heavy. Soul is thirsty, body's aching. I am desperately in need of restoration. Yeah, and I am ready for you to take me higher. Yeah, the only thing that I can do.
Michael Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Time in my life, 
are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time outside my door. Never before I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I traveled far and wide through the great divide. Just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. Nothing could come The fog is lifted, see the light Count my blessings when I go to sleep at night And I dream now Yeah, I dream now And everything's alright <laughs> Oh, man Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Thank you very much.